welcome back to another episode of Spark Connections, where we unpack, we talk about, we expand upon people's journeys to the tech industry. If you haven't figured it out by now, I'm your host, Stefan, back again, bringing you another awesome individual who we're going to chat. We've already been chatting for about a good half an hour, so this is going to be fun to really dig into the nitty gritty. I bring you guys JT. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. I really appreciate it. Um, I've said this so many times now. You're you're officially like my line in the sand for no longer saying it. KT and I met on Twitter, like all my friends at this point. I yep. have two real life friends. Um, <laughs> just accept that as a just assume unless I tell you otherwise that all people who I talk to now are on Twitter. That's it. So we're here again. I know you and I you and I've already been chatting quite a bit about everything at this point, but why don't we why don't we just dig into a little bit? Tell me first and foremost, I know you're at Red Hat. I know you're a senior engineer there. We've already talked about like what that experience is like for you, but let's really dig into it because it seems like you love what you do. And I I think there's no better way to start out an episode and talk about what you love. So let's hear it. Yeah. So um I am JT Kaufman. Uh, I'm a senior software engineer at Red Hat, and I focus mostly on security product products, which is actually a really interesting area. So Red Hat is famous for Red Hat Enterprise Linux. I won't talk about them too much. I swear I'm not here to do like, you know, PR goodwill for Red Hat. I just like them. <laughs> um, but anyway, any product that ships and then any dependency it has, has all these different vulnerabilities that can be associated with it. So any big company like us, we have to manage those all the time. So I work on products that help do that. And it's actually really interesting work. Um, it gets really complicated. It's gets involved with what packages ship with different software. And you realize how complex everything is and how many open source packages are just consumed like ridiculously widely. But it's super fun. Um, I mostly get to work with Python and I like that a lot. And uh, the culture is really fun. So it's been a good fit for me so far. So my first introduction to Red Hat Linux was at um, my previous job, which was which was at a bank, um, and I learned about Red Hat Linux. And I didn't know OpenShift was a thing until I, first of all, I didn't know that it was it was like Red Hat's thing, but I didn't know that it was a thing and how um, how scalable and and how how you know kind of malleable it was um, in ter- until like I started working there, which was really cool. So it was nice to learn you know go from Linux, play around with Red, Red Hat Linux, um, see the different distros that are available, and then be able to kind of move from, from, you know, Docker and, and what's, what's available there and then do some integrations with OpenShift and, and Ansible actually as well. So there's a lot of cool things nice. I will learn in that space too. So, yeah, so I almost actually, I almost joined Red Hat working with the Ansible team a while back um, and narrowly didn't, but it is wild. We do have so many different products going on. And I guess speaking a little bit to what you said about like the scalability and the flexibility, I do like that. I feel like we try to take a pretty human approach to software development. I feel like we try to think about how people will use things. And another thing I like about us a lot is um, we were obviously a company that was really like early about supporting open source, open software. We have some folks that work at Red Hat whose whole job is basically just to do open source work for packages that we have some vested interest in. So we have people that technically work for us, but they're full-time basically with separate entities just doing open source stuff. Um, so yeah, I don't know. The, the whole the whole culture, the approach to the way we make software and the way that we envision people consuming it has all been really cool and been really fun to be part of. 
you know what's really interesting to me in terms of like in terms of the way that red hat at least it sounds the way that red hat develops it just seems like it's re- like it, it's very intentional, right? So I know um, often, you know, software companies they'll they they try to imagine what the consumer is going to use. So the investment that it sounds like Red Hat's making into not just guessing, but but really finding out and then developing products that meet that specific customer need um, is great because I, I can't tell you how many times you know I've I've used a software and it's like who who tested this? <laughs> like, yeah. Who decided that this is what I wanted? Because it's not. Yeah, it's definitely a like a what's the right way to say this? It's tech. It's a tech person's technology. Like everyone in the company. Um, I think it's kind of interesting. Like we're pretty big now, something like 13,000 people. It seems like the bulk of people I interact with are engineers. I know there's operations staff, obviously, but it's, it seems like the primary identity of the whole company is engineering. And so I feel like we're, we're a tough crowd. Like we're tough on ourselves, but that's where it comes from. Um, and yeah, I, I do feel like uh, the process for getting software out, it's pretty tough, actually. I feel like we try to, I don't know, I feel like we try to scrutinize what we're doing and make everything that goes out the door really good. So uh, I think maybe that contributes to it it tending to be like stuff that actually users enjoy using that accounts for their needs and thinks of the way that they're going to use the software, which... Of course, you can never really do like I think every piece of software I've ever built, people use it in ways that make me like scratch my head. Like, um, I don't know. <laughs> people are always doing weird stuff with it, but you plan as best you can, I guess, is the is the most you can do. I think that can probably be said for just about any software. Like I've seen um, I've seen some people do some weird like some weird stuff and like the vendor comes in and is just like, that's not how that was designed to be used. But OK, like fine you you know took this system and you built like you took the system that was designed for i don't know maybe like crm management and oh you turned it into like a full itsm system that's great that's <laughs> cool we're we're fine all right yeah. we're just gonna let you do that we're not gonna correct you <laughs> so i once worked on an app that was not a red hat somewhere else it was like the app was supposed to be like a sales dashboard with links to some trainings that they wanted to do um the sales guys would like watch videos and whatever it wound up morphing into a full-scale learning management system, which um, they're kind of like a, a category of, you know, big software with a ton of features, like a content management system or something like that. Except with a learning management system, you're also hosting a bunch of content, videos, and data. And it actually has some interesting development challenges it get, when it gets complicated to a certain point. But yeah, people misuse that app so much that I wound up building out a LMS system. So that was uh, that was interesting. Not what I expected. <laughs> it's it's always interesting, like when you find out that customer, like what a customer use case is, and especially when it ends up driving, um, when it ends up driving like a a choice or a change inside of a big like enterprise wide organization. It, I think it goes to show, especially in software development, how much we underappreciate the power that a good developer or a good engineer has um, and, a, and a corporation or a company has over a product. Um, if there's a big enough need for something and a big enough like demand for it, company will usually create um, a solution, like a solution that, that works for that. Um, I think about um, I, I'm so I, I know I like maybe I don't, I don't want to call it your sworn enemy, but like, I think about like Microsoft <laughs> and Microsoft's like TFS, um, you know their source control TFS and then like uh, yeah. what Azure 
right <laughs> and then like <laughs> azure devops and what it looks like now and azure devops look and like a lot of its functionality is purely driven on the fact that so many people wanted tfs to work like github that they just made it work like github and then bought github yeah I mean, that's that's one way to do it. But it is interesting, like, um, so supposedly Microsoft and GitHub have kind of the same relationship as Red Hat and IBM, which I don't know that I used to see this so much. It's like a big for-profit company kind of buys a, I don't know, buys another tech company, but keeps it as a separate entity, lets it manage itself. And that's kind of an interesting model. Um, yeah, I don't know if that had been done as much or I hadn't heard about it anyway um, until recently, but um, that is kind of how it is for us. Like we still run our own show. Um, the culture feels, I don't know, the same as I would have expected before, but yeah, kind of back to what you're saying. I do think it's funny though. Like uh, in terms of people coming up with ways to use software, you never would have thought of like, it's actually a pretty cool debugging tool. People have shown me things my software did that I didn't even know it could do before. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> okay. Um, but I think it's also interesting. Like it really reminds you what problem you're trying to solve. Like you can get very distracted with what you're building and how you think it will look and the specifications and the features. And I know for me anyway, I've gotten a little far away sometimes from what's the problem I'm actually solving. And so people misusing your software can kind of remind you like, this is the actual problem and kind of steer you back on course, I guess. I um, recall a project that I was working on at one point where um, the the issue that we were trying to solve was making it easier for individuals who wanted to, um, who wanted to, uh, so apparently, which I did not know this, software for like hunting and fishing tournaments, ours, it's kind of like a big deal and it needs to function really well, especially because those people are on a time limit. So it needs to be very responsive. It needs to work very well and needs to work huh. very intentionally. And so one of the projects that I was working on was um, kind of like a, it, it, essentially it was using an API to do like a bird's eye view of certain areas, being able to mark those areas and then um, being able to kind of like guide you back those areas based on essentially like a map, like a GPS software, um, gotcha. but much more localized. So, so very, very finite. So whether it's, you know, tw somewhere, sometimes moving people between like 50 feet, which um, like you driving to a house, like using like a Google maps or an Apple maps, it's not, it, it's close, but like, it's not that precise. Um Gotcha. In comparison to like some of these softwares, which are very, very precise, like, no, you need to move over like two feet. And this is where you were before. Um, mm. And I remember, I remember like working on that piece of software and um, just as a, as like an open project and the, another gentleman and I just kind of like started going ham on like the look and how, and some <laughs> of the textures and how things felt. And um, we found out so at some point, someone posted an issue um, to the to the repo, and we looked at it, and someone was using it for um, oh my goodness, someone was using it for. Um, are you familiar with geocaching? Ah, uh, no, I don't think so. So geocaching essentially is this um, activity where someone hides an item in a place oh. and they give you like a general idea and then you have to go and find that item. Um, and it, and there's ones that, you know, vary from very, very easy to extremely difficult. Like there are some that are like, you know, 50 foot, in a 50 feet in a tree. Um, now what happens in some geocaching places is like someone will take the item and then they'll switch it out for another item. Um, <laughs> okay. Wow. That's, which is, 
there's like a whole community built around this. It's really cool. I found out about it a couple of years ago. Someone was using it for that. And, you know, that's not what the, it was, you know, necessarily intentionally designed for. But then like someone posting an issue that they were having with it. I was like, hey, we are so worried about like these textures and stuff like this. Like we forgot that we're supposed to be making this thing better. Oh, wow. So okay. it like yanked us back to reality in that space. So I can definitely align and, and appreciate that. So that's so funny though. That sounds really fun. <laughs> like I would do that. It sounds like a like a treasure hunt. Like um <laughs> sounds yeah. That sounds super fun. Yeah, I it, it is fun. If you if you get a second, you know, take a look at it, check it out. It's it's I've I've done, let's see, I've done five caches. Um I've done two like kind of like I've done two beginner ones, two intermediate ones, and I tried a super hard one. Um, the super hard one we just could not find. Um, we're convinced it wasn't there anymore. We could be wrong, <laughs> but we're convinced it wasn't there anymore. But it was it was fun. It was definitely worthwhile. Um, usually when you look at a cache, there's an app around it too. If I can remember the name, I'll, I'll share that. Um, there's usually um, some hints around where to find it and sometimes um, telling you where um, – like how you should dress like to like this is on a very very steep hill this is in like a very swampy or muddy area so like it is really really cool so i have a really bad joke do you want to hear it of course like why not (laughs) (laughs) if somebody takes what do they call the items is there a special word for that um i think they're called caches okay well that makes my joke a little less funny (laughs) but um I guess if somebody takes your cash and replaces it, you know, that's cash invalidation. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty bad, right? But, um, (laughs) (laughs) okay. I swear I'm actually funny in real life. That was one of my worst jokes. I think COVID life is getting to me. Do not judge me on that joke. (laughs) Um, the corniest cornball who I can possibly like give any highlight to. So um, Ro Paydar, Ro the Coder, um, having any, like get her going and her jokes are so corny. Like (laughs) you can't help, like the laughter is just infectious. Um, We've had some conversations and like, she'll make a joke and like the joke. So the joke itself is not what's funny, but like, she's so entertained and so like, (laughs) entertained by the joke that like i end up laughing enjoying and laughing at her and then she makes more corny jokes and then the jokes are it's so much fun it's so much fun well i'm gonna have to rein it in a little bit because if i laugh too hard i either cry or get the hiccups and that's not great for a podcast so i'm gonna i'm gonna keep it under control over here you you cry like happy tears or like start sobbing no cry like like just happy like yeah happy laughter it just makes my eyes water, I guess. I don't know. Not not oh, crying, right. crying. <laughs> like, I was going to say, like, are you going to start bawling? Like, no more <laughs> no. fun. Are, no. There's no more laughing that happens here. We are done. <laughs> no, but the, the hiccups would probably be worse. I couldn't make it through the interview. So I'm going to I'm gonna make myself simmer down, uh, be a good podcast guest. <laughs> I have, um, so I, this is my first, this is my first producing my own podcast. So this is my podcast. I produce it. Um, I helped a friend um, and have continued, been helping a friend produce um, a podcast for about two years now. And um, so some of the, well, podcasts and some other audio. And so what's been interesting is like some of the audio that he'll send me, like he'll send with apologies. Um, so he'll just send it over and be like, I'm so sorry. And then like, the, and then like nothing else. 
So it's always very ominous. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to get into? And I have heard some very, like, there was one lady, the entire podcast, her dog was barking. So I had to Ooh. edit that out. Ooh. So the, like the entire podcast from start to finish was just her dog barking. And she, um, she's like, this is all day. So no matter what day that we like that we do this, unless I board him, you're going to hear this. Wow. And so I was like, okay, that was um, probably about 13 to 14 hours worth of work. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause like essentially I had, yeah, it was long story short. I had to spend a lot of time. Like I just spent a lot of time doing a lot of things. I'll just put it that way. I would not want to do that again. Yeah. Um, Wow. But why don't you, so I know we talked about this a tiny bit, um, but I I really am interested in hearing like how you got into tech, what started you on this path, what got you here? Um, You know, so far I've heard some really amazing journeys from people who started like working in a store to people who have been, um, you know, restaurant servers to individuals who have, you know, been working at a brewery all, you know, I've heard all walks. I'm, I'm super interested to hear how you got here. Yeah, so I have a really weird story um, in one way. Like, I was going through an extremely tough time when I decided to get into programming, but I'll back up a little bit and work up to that. Um, so I did a little programming when I was, like, a teenager. Um, like, back in the day, everybody had their little websites, and you would redo each other's layout, and I was, like, the person that knew how to do that or whatever. But I didn't know anything about technology. Like, I think my parents wanted me to be a lawyer, Um I, I didn't know anything about the jobs other than I thought you would like stare at a computer screen all day and have to like fight with, I don't know, a letter here or a number there. I mean, I guess that's true, but it's actually fun. Um, <laughs> but I didn't know anything about the careers. It wasn't on my radar at all. Um, and so when I got out of high school, I graduated a year early, actually, um, and went and traveled around a little bit because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um And so I kind of, I was a little torn between going for graphic design or uh, business administration because I thought that seemed like a safe option and I didn't really know what I wanted to do with myself. Um, I had a little bit of a fork in the road because in my like first, second year of college, uh, my dad got really sick and I had to leave school. Um, So I actually, yeah, I had to drop out of school and start working full-time to help the family. And so at that point, I didn't have a degree and I wasn't super qualified for anything. So I worked some like low-paying jobs, like restaurant, like administrator. I worked at an American Eagle, which was actually my least favorite of all the jobs. Um, They don't let you use those headsets that they wear to play like, I don't know, tag or do anything fun. You don't get to do anything fun with them. It was very disappointing. but yeah, anyway, that's the only reason that I'd even work there. Like if I, I, know, <laughs> I know I was like, if like I... nothing fun. And, uh, yeah, they basically track everything you do. It's very boring. <sighs> that's so sad. <laughs> I, the secrets of American Eagle, everyone. Secrets of yes. American Eagle. Yeah. But, um, anyway, so I just kind of bounced around, like not really doing anything. And I got a job at one point just as like an administrator in a office where they did a lot of like recruitment. So I was basically just like an assistant to HR people. Um, That was okay. 
I kind of saw a path from there, still not really knowing what I wanted to do with my life. I made about like $10 an hour at that point. Um, but I kind of saw a path into a little more, I don't know, like office kind of job, make a better living um, with recruitment. So eventually I did that. Um, I started recruiting like help desk guys. Um, and it was really funny. Like I would definitely get yelled at sometimes if I would be trying to recruit somebody in San Francisco and, uh, I would contact somebody too far away. They would like send me screaming emails about like, do you know how ridiculous that is with BART, which is Bay area rapid transit system. So people would yell at me. They would yell at me for not knowing, you know, like what their tech skills meant or their level. Um, a lot of people thought I was a bot because they make you use these mass emailing systems that I know everybody hates. And so they all send really foul emails back and I would always apologize and I'd be like, look, Hey, you know, I'm really sorry that something hit you. I'll be sure to remove you, blah, blah, blah. And a lot of times people would respond to me like, I'm really sorry. I actually thought this was a bot. I didn't know there was a person involved. Um, so that was kind of funny, but like some of the, <laughs> some of the bad experiences motivated me to learn technology a little better. Um, and it's really funny. Like I do know a lot of tech people hate recruiters and I get it. It's kind of like extra insulting to me to see a really bad recruiter. Cause I used to try to do a pretty good job. Um, but yeah, anyway, I, I tried to be really good. I Googled stuff. I had, I looked kind of like a little bit like a serial killer. I had a wall of all these printouts and like arcane things about like what's T sequel and P sequel. And you know, um, what's the difference between Java and JavaScript? Like that kind of thing. Silly things that like we all know, but they actually do hang up people outside the industry. I know that's a huge complaint. I get like Java, Java versus JavaScript in recruiter emails that don't apply to you. But um, anyway, I tried to get, yeah, I tried to get really good. And at one point I got an opportunity to get some tech certs through my work. Uh, and at that point, I had still just been trying to be a good recruiter. Like, I didn't really think I was smart enough to do programming or anything like that. But I tagged along with this tech cert with a bunch of network engineers um, back in Maryland, where I'm from. And I wound up doing as good on the certification test as everybody I was with. Um, I did a little better than some of them. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm cool. Like they had training to work against and the way they, the way this certification tells you to do things, it's very by the book. And then in the real world, when you're working on systems, you don't always get to do it that way. So that actually worked against them a little bit, but, um, yeah, it kind of opened my eyes and I was like, whoa, uh, I might be smart enough to do this line of work. So that was kind of, yeah, kind of a turning point. Um, I wasn't really in a position to act on it. I needed my day job. Uh, and I didn't really know if going back to school was feasible. I didn't really know the best way to do it. Um, but then back in 2015, my dad, who had gotten ill when I was in college, um, he actually passed away. And I had kind of a definitely a low point. I got really frustrated with recruiting, which it actually has a higher burnout rate than software engineering, if you can believe that. And I'd been doing it for a few years at that point, and I was a little done. Um, so I had that. I had that personal loss. And then um, I was feeling a little burnt out at work, and I just got really frustrated. And I did a few things just because I felt like, 
nothing I was doing was working for me. I wasn't happy with my personal life. I wasn't happy with my job at that point. So I uh, quit my job. Um, at that point, I had a security clearance and I was living in D.C. doing government work. So quit my job, uh, walked away from my security clearance. Um, I had gotten a small like life insurance policy when my dad passed. And so I used that to do a coding boot camp. And I decided to do that at the same time as I moved two states away to a city with a really good tech scene and decided to start a career as a developer. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, I was not in a good place to do that at all. Like I was, yeah, I had a lot of personal stuff going on. Uh, for anybody who's ever thought about doing a boot camp, do not move across states while you're doing it. That's not a good idea. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of weird. I started that and immediately, like, I was so bad at code. Like, I did not have any background that helped me at all. I was really terrible. But I immediately just liked it so much. Um, I know that we get, like, really frustrated with our career, but coming from like low level administrative jobs where you're just told what to do all the time and you're you're not really supposed to have independent thoughts the thought of having to think up everything myself and just that level of creativity and getting to use my brain that was like amazing and uh that distracted me so much from the personal stuff i had going on it was actually like <laughs> it was like very therapeutic like it tired me out so much i was just done at the end of the day and uh I mean, my code was really terrible, but I just was having a ball like immediately and just really, really loved code. Um, so, oh, sorry. Yeah, there are a couple things I just want to touch on there. So sorry for the loss of your, you know, for your dad and just like that experience. Um, like I can I can absolutely appreciate like what that does, what that does to a person, especially when like you're already like we already have other stuff going on um, like that. Just it's just it's just a lot. I'll say that like it's just a lot. Um, yeah, and especially with someone who's had parents who've like always kind of had health issues. I can definitely understand. And I can definitely understand that health issues. And, um, you know, my, my grandmother, you know, passed away from dementia, uh, but that was 15 years of caring for her while she had that. So I can, I, I, I understand. I hundred percent understand yeah. that. So it's just so much. And a distraction is any distraction is welcome, but yeah. especially a good one. Yeah, I definitely just needed to do something different. Like, I just, I felt really just frustrated at that point. And yeah, I kind of just got like mad, not mad at anything specific, just mad at how I was feeling. And I was like, there's, you know, I'm not just going to sit around and feel this bad. Like, I'm going to, you know, maybe it won't work, but I'm going to try something different and see if it helps. So I, uh, I moved from DC to North Carolina, um, which I do think that wound up helping. I get I get outdoors now. I'm a lot more like wholesome and outdoorsy and hike and different stuff. Um, but I did that. And then, yeah, I started coding wound up being really good for me, like very fun. I really liked it. And um, both things, yeah, both things kind of were very helpful, even though it was a little bit of a, a reckless thing to do just to abandon everything. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like pretty early on, I was like, yeah, this is a good call. Like, I like what I'm doing. This I like this so much more than what I've been doing for work. So it was, I didn't feel a lot of doubt about my decision. I just mostly just worry about getting hired, <laughs> but, um, I kind of immediately was like, yes, this is for me. I like this. I like this a lot. That's really good to hear. I think one of the, uh, you know, one of the highlights I hear out of that is the fact of, you know, just, just, 
One, I, I want to take a step back, just something that I, I always like to highlight whenever I can um, for a lot of individuals. So, and this is not to like, this is not me seeking to embarrass you, but to actually encourage people. So you, you didn't end up finishing school because I know you said you had to take a break or did you end up, did you end up getting a chance to do that? No. And I'm, I'm happy to talk about that. Um, obviously I don't have my degree still. I'm supposed to finish it in December. Um, but yeah, it, it hasn't really slowed me down. I got my first senior developer job about like three years in, which I know is ridiculous. Um, but yeah, so I did, I stopped school. Um, yeah, back when my dad got sick and I only picked it up again after becoming a software engineer. Cause, um, it was, to be honest, like it was one of the first times where I had the money that I could just pour back into school. Um, and then I had a couple workplaces that also paid for the classes. So I'm really lucky that, you know, we get some of these amazing benefits that you can get at tech companies. Um, but yeah, so I've been going to school halftime since I guess about oof, like 2017 or something like that, like super long time. <laughs> um, but I'm kind of glad I didn't finish back when I was going because I, I wasn't going for software engineering. So since I went back, I switched. So the degree will actually be in software engineering now. Um, so yeah, it's good. I mean, I would have had the degree, but it would be in something unrelated. So it's kind of, I kind of like how it worked out that I get to do it in, you know, my actual field. And uh, some of the classes are pretty easy. I just show up and write code because I do that already. <laughs> yeah, I think like, I don't know. It's just one of those things where, and, and I like, I, I love to call that out and I love to highlight that because I think so many people feel similar to how you felt of like, hey, there's no way I could be smart enough to work in this field. There's no way I could be smart enough to be accomplished in this field. Um, and, and, and and that's not true. It's just, it's just flat out is not true. Um, yeah, you know, we've heard, we've heard other individuals who have come on to the podcast and, and had, you know, some who have a degree, some who don't have a degree, some who have just done boot camps, some who haven't done any sort of like boot camp training at all and have been completely, you know, self-taught their self or community learned yeah. um, and don't necessarily require that degree to to be successful in this field. And some of the most successful developers that we've seen or are that I don't know that maybe we see or interact with on tech Twitter today and, and the tech industry as a whole don't they don't have degrees like there are or their degrees are in something completely different than, than oh, yeah. what they're doing right now. Yeah. So for anybody out there, that's like, I, I will fully admit one of the reasons I went back was I was a pretty insecure junior developer. Like I didn't, I feel like the ugly duckling, like I didn't take to it right away. I felt like I sucked my whole first year and I worked at a place that was pretty traditional. So everybody did have CS degrees and I really just felt like the odd man out. Um, a lot of people like, when they would meet me, they would be like, oh, yeah, where'd you go to school? And I'd have to do this, like, awkward song and dance of, you know, I didn't go to school. <laughs> I don't have a degree. Like, what do I say to these people? And it just really bothered me. Um, that's not a good reason to get a degree, by the way, like fear of missing out or just feeling insecure. Like, I, I outgrew that about a year in. I started to get really good at everything. It was like a light switch flipped. And, uh, yeah, all of a sudden I was a pretty good developer. Um, but yeah, I guess mainly imposter syndrome is what made me go back, which that is not a good reason to go back to school. I will be the first one to tell you. And if you're considering it, uh, there is value in the structure for sure. But some of the stuff I learn is really outdated. A lot of it is in languages that I don't use and never want to use. Um, like not to hate on school, you can definitely have good experiences and learn good stuff. But I just had a homework assignment in Java where 
the instructions were so outdated that they wanted to use a library that doesn't even work with the version of Java that we're using. The version of Java we're using for the class is like 10 plus years old, and I'm having to learn stuff that is just like so irrelevant you would not believe it. But anyway, um, nothing I've specifically learned has made me feel like, oh, now I'm a real developer or, you know, like, oh, now I now I have what everyone else has. I think the value in it is just the hours spent, like, honestly, and you could do that by yourself. You could do that uh, online or in a study group. Uh, one of the best experiences I think I've had is just doing algorithm challenges with friends when we were about to be interviewing. I've learned so much about, like, how JavaScript works that I never knew by having to do these really low-level puzzle type of assignments. Um, so, yeah, school's not a magic bullet. Um it's also very expensive. I don't like to tell anybody, I don't like to glamorize it because it's a lot of money for anyone to spend to, you know, do it. But I think it's been good for me in the sense that it kept me coding in front of a computer. And anytime you do that, you're going to get better whether you want to or not. Um, it's been good for me on that level. Some of the classes have had like AWS and cool stuff that is more relevant to me. Um, but honestly, like, there's not a right or a wrong way to go. People need to do what works for them. Um, if I had to sit myself down, like back before I started any of this, I think I would have told myself to do the open source software degree, which is a project up on GitHub. And it has this curated curriculum that's basically a CS degree, but obviously completely free. And uh, they have lectures from like really good places like MIT and stuff like that. Um they have stuff that I'm not even getting in my degree, like compiler design and stuff I'm going to go back for afterwards. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I guess my ultimate message is like, there's not a perfect way to go. Most of it is just related to the time you get to spend coding. Um, but yeah, bottom line is you definitely can be successful in this field with an unrelated degree, a partial degree or no degree. Um, yeah, I did get to be dev lead and then, you know, senior engineer, without having any formal education for whatever that's worth. So I, I appreciate that wholeheartedly. I found out about the, um, the open source university um, project, I, I think like maybe a year or two ago. Um, oh, nice. I thought that was just such an awesome, well, I thought it was just super cool. Right. So for someone who wants to learn and maybe doesn't have the, cause I, I've, I've also recently discovered like boot camps are super expensive as well. Yeah. Um, I've had a couple of people who shared that with me and shared like their tuition cost with me. And I'm like, that's, that's a, that's a semester at a university. Like that's a lot of money. Um, or in some cases, like there was one person shared with me, like it was basically college tuition cost. Like it was basically the cost yeah. of, of, so I think, um, you know, I think it's so important to really be intentional and, and think about like where you're going, where is it going to have the most impact for you? But, um, you know, I can definitely align with you on, on some of like the classes that you take. I remember doing something very similar of taking like this Java class and like, using like java se like i don't remember what it was it was just super old um and and using a library that was deprecated yeah <laughs> and and i like shared that with the professor I'm like i'm not using this it's a deprecated library that has like a bunch of security vulnerabilities and they're like oh well it's just for the class you know i i think it's i think that education you know formal like I think part of the problem is like, like technology moves so quickly, like keeping up with it education wise is challenging. Yeah. Um, and a lot of schools, in my personal opinion, just haven't risen to the challenge to ensure that they've kept up. So what they're teaching, you know, when you get to your junior and senior year, like, yeah, you're getting all like nice nitty gritty, like new stuff, but like, 
you don't get enough of that. Um, you know, I've yeah. shared in a couple episodes. It makes me super sad. I have had, I've hired, I don't know, probably three or four like individuals who have come fresh out of college who have no idea what source control is. Yeah. Um, oh, they don't teach it in mind. So I actually like, I was kind of being a butthead one time and I was like, I like walked into it. I was like, oh, it would sure be nice if there was some way to save this with our different versions. Cause we, we had a, a we had a classmate post on the discussion <laughs> board that they like lost a version of their homework or something like that. And so I kind of made this comment, like being deliberately obtuse to see if they would bring up version control and encourage people to learn about it. And they just completely sidestepped it. Didn't talk about it at all. <laughs> um, and apparently that's because it's considered a software engineering tool and not computer science. But I find that so ridiculous because Git is based what? on graph theory. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, so what's interesting is I, uh, in, in one of the classes that I was in, I actually taught everyone Git because I had, I had like Git experience outside of class and the professor yelled at me for it really um, he was very upset because he said it he said it he he said it wasn't a part of the class and it shouldn't have been you because when we turned the assignment in um um we had deployed something to a location and it was it was broken like it, it just wasn't working correctly and so we we had to redeploy it not a big deal uh, we just deployed the we deployed a broken branch and when he heard that we were branching and doing all this stuff he goes that wasn't part of the assignment you were supposed to do it this way and do it that oh, wow. way and i'm like yeah, but it's five people working on the same project. Like how, what is your advice on how to manage that on anything other than Git? Weird. Um, the only It was thing, very interesting. The only thing I can think of is that I know for me, at least I found Git really hard to learn. Like Git was one of my worst areas for a while. Um, the only, re the only good reason I can think of is that they don't want to confuse people with Git and wind up having to answer a bunch of version control questions before people get to the assignment but it is a huge, yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge disservice. And I know when I got my first programming job, I was from a boot camp, and then there was, there were two CS degree people. And I did, I had to teach them both Git. Um, and then that workplace wound up switching from subversion to Git. And then I had to teach everybody else Git. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, and they were all, you know, like CS degree people. Um yeah, it's a it is a disservice, I think. Um I do wish they would start to include that in those degrees. I you know, it's funny when people say I found Git to be incredibly easy to learn. I didn't think it really? was that hard. I found Git, you know, I think my biggest trouble with Git was there was one Git command that even to this day I'm still like scared of, and that's a Git rebase. I'm willing <laughs> to admit that. For all of you out there, okay. <laughs> I am horrified of Git rebase. I would much rather do it myself. I don't know why. I don't, I, I had one bad experience with it because I didn't know how to use it and I misused it and wiped out a lot of stuff that I was working on. I had to redo Ooh. a bunch of work. Um, yeah. So like I had one bad experience with Git Rebase and just been afraid of it ever since. And to this day, I've not been able to get past that fear. That's the only Git command I will stay away from. I will use just about anything else that I know of. Um, yeah. I'm really, yeah, like manual, I would much rather do a manual merge by hand, as crazy as that sounds. <laughs> I don't know, like, yeah, I had a certain things I definitely stumbled over, like, I was pretty bad at JavaScript, and I was pretty bad at Git, and those are now two of my, like, best things, it's just, they weren't intuitive for, to me for some reason, um, but yeah, I love Git, like, Git has so many cool things, like, um, I love that it has 
uh, Riri, which is reuse recorded response. Yes. It's got your <laughs> cheat code. Um, it's just got so many cool features and ways to do things. Um, I actually, I love Git. I think it's probably, I. it's weird. Like there are certain technologies you use them and you're just like, wow, this was like beautifully conceived. Um, and I, I feel that way about Git actually. I, I think my biggest, my biggest, um, I don't know when when learning when first when first learning Git and first learning how to use it. Um, so I learned Git from a very experienced developer, and I didn't learn like the Git GUI. Like I didn't learn that until years later. Um, he said, "If you're gonna learn Git, you're gonna learn Git the right way." And I'm like, "Well, what's yep. the right way?" And he said, "You're gonna use it using a bunch of commands." And I'm like, "Oh, oh okay." Uh, so I remember we downloaded Git, and we and, and and immediately he said, "You're gonna use Git Bash. You're not gonna use uh, Git CMD." Um, because something with him liking the shell to look better. Um, and so Git Bash on Windows was was my introduction to Bash and um, my introduction to Bash and my introduction to Git. And I remember just how, that's just how I learned. Um, and what nice. was funny was, so um, Azure DevOps has their um, diff tool. So when you commit code, their diff tool, their green is so light, I actually can't see it. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, so I have like a, I have a, I don't know whether it's called like a, a, a I don't know if it's like a stigmatism or whatever what the proper term is for it. I've forgotten at this point, but I actually can't perceive it. Um, so like one of my my uh, old developers that I used to work with, him and I like we joke around about that all the time. Where like I called over my desk to ask him where some changes were, and he thought I was joking. Oh. I'm like, where <laughs> are the changes? I'm like, I don't see them, and he's like the code and he like looked he's like well her code like you know the person at the time we were talking about their code like her code's not that bad and i'm like wait a minute what are you talking about oh and and it was i i actually couldn't see them so um so and i i I was oh go ahead i have a random factoid i wonder if it could be partial color blindness because i know that can cause an issue between like blues or sorry i know it can cause a little bit of an issue with the colors blue and green and I think it is. I think it is a little bit of colorblindness. Because um, what's interesting is I usually do all my diffs in the command line because it's very red. It's on a black background. Yeah. It's very red and very green. Very yeah. easy. <laughs> and so the, I stopped. I, yeah. So I stopped diffing in, in the, I stopped doing diffs in, in ADO because of that. Mm, gotcha. Yeah. And the other interesting thing, my other factoid about colorblindness is I believe it only afflicts men, which is interesting. Um, I don't know. <sighs> I don't know why I know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, that I could see that being a huge issue. Um, but I'm the same. So I learned on the command line and I think I wasn't very comfortable with the command line at that point. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. It just like it took me a bit of time. But um yeah, I don't know. I I love Git now. It it still it still is kind of high stakes like about as annoying as my day gets can be related to Git for the most part. That or usually <laughs> SQL, I guess, but I don't know. It's oh. it's so powerful, it's so expressive. Like I'm a little bit of a Git stan. I I am as well. You'll never I will I will happily talk about Git all day. It's one of my um it's one of my like secret loves because I, I love a good I love a good hey Git's not working. Oh it's not. Let me just take a look here. Like yeah. one of my favorite things to do. Um I do the same thing with SQL too. I actually am one of those weird people who's gonna say I love SQL. I love a good relational database and me I too. love a good 
I love a good SQL database. Um, yeah. And I love a good SQL query too. And that's another one that it was like beautifully conceived. So if I could be a little bit of a dork here, mathematician EF Cod came up with the relational model. I think he worked for IBM back in like the 60s. And yeah. You yeah. know, like how quickly things in tech become kludgy and we hate them and we like want them to die. Literally, this thing has been around since, yeah, the 60s, mostly unchanged. And it was such a good model. Um, there's a lot of math concepts, you know, built into it. I think he was a mathematician. I don't think database specialist was even a field yet. But yeah, a lot of his concepts were so well thought out that we've had this system and I'm not going to dive into the whole relational, non-relational thing. I think they both have their purposes, but it's such a good system that it's held up for like, you know, 60 years essentially, which is amazing in technology. Normally, normally we turn on things so much faster than that. And not only the fact that it's held up, but how like the adoption rate of it. So I think like, I mean, when you look across, um, when you cr look across at different technologies and how long they've been around and, and how, um, how widely they're used, I think SQL definitely with the exception of, um, like a like a like I don't know the main like the mainframe systems. Um, I don't think there's right. a single, and I could be wrong. And and, and anyone who hears this, feel free to correct me. I will not be hurt. Um, I don't think there's really too many other technologies that have scaled as well and are still as integrated into, um, you know, into a lot of like legacy systems as a good a good relational database and and the mainframe systems. Um, yeah, and probably the two biggest. You know, it's so cool too. The other day I was, there's so much, even though the main concepts have stayed the same over time, database engines. So your MySQL, your PostgreSQL, blah, blah, blah. They have gotten so much better over time. The other day I used to have this really terrible boss who wrote like terrible SQL. Um, and the other day I was complaining about this type of query he wrote that basically joins all the records in the table and makes what's called a Cartesian product, which is just a ridiculous amount of data and very slow. Um, I was complaining to somebody about it the other day and I was like showing them an example and they, they told me, I never knew this. They were like, oh yeah, if you do, if you time those queries, it actually isn't going to be slow because the SQL engine behind the scenes is seeing that that was written in a dumb way and it's rewriting the whole thing. So I went and tested it and I timed the time on getting results on my correctly written query and this really badly written query. And I was like, son of a gun, you're right. It's, it's redoing the logic behind the scenes to make the query more efficient. So it's actually pretty cool. It's got like, that's another one that I, I just find it beautifully developed. Like I appreciate more stuff about it. The more I learn, it does so many cool things behind the scenes. Um, I really like it. And yeah, for me, one of my first jobs made me learn SQL and I feel like it gave me a lot of legitimacy. I feel like otherwise I might've been, I don't know, like seen as maybe only front end or uh, I don't know, just not as full stack as I have been throughout my career. I feel like knowing SQL has actually given me a lot of legitimacy and a lot of job opportunities. Um, so I love it. I have a very soft spot for it. I think one of, so um, one of my jobs when I was doing QA for a company, um, there was a lot of time, the, the, the way we just stored data wasn't, wasn't the best. Um, mm. So there were a lot of manual fixes that we, that we had to make. Um, and as the developers were developing out feature sets, like sometimes they didn't have time to, to like get to, hey, we need to optimize this query or we need to rewrite it better. We need to make sure it's placing data in the right place. Um, and so I, I kind of grew this knack for like just writing storage procedures that would, oh, hey, this broke. Here's a storage procedure, st you know, stored here. Just go run that. This will fix it for that customer. Nice. Um, 
yeah and so i really enjoyed doing that and and digging like starting to build out like ssis packages and all, all sorts of fun stuff like that so oh, cool yeah so i get in sql stands i'm glad i didn't know this about you so i'm like super excited that yeah, we've been able yeah. to bond over this yeah no those are two of my favorite things like um it's really funny. So I only knew object-oriented languages and then going to SQL, which is procedural. Yeah, it was, I didn't have an easy learning curve with that. It was like, every time I thought it was going to zig, it zagged. It just did everything differently than I expected coming from an object-oriented, you know, that was all I knew at that point. But the more I've known it, I've really like come around. I'm, yeah, I'm really into it now. (laughs) So the way that I like the way that I process um, data, so I'm I'm a very analytical thinker, um, and the way that I process data is like perfect for SQL, because um, I I think very like I don't know, I don't want to use like the word control flowy, but I do think very like when mm, you okay. think of those like logical operators, like that's the way that I perceive things. Um, yeah. That's the way that I think about things. So because of that, um, because of that, like writing SQL queries, doing SQL queries, like it's it's actually quite, it, it, it's super, it comes pretty natural um, just because of the way that I think about it. So I can go like, oh, select, and then think about like how the data is coming from, um, how, where it's coming from, where it needs to go, where, where it needs to, you know, what I needed to report back. Um, um, I think. That's such a great feeling I, when you just like vibe with a language like that. Like it just, you have the same, like, it feels intuitive. Like, I love that when you find that. So I believe when I was looking at, um, when I was doing some testing and, and getting my degree, I believe that I'm a, I'm a top down processor. Um, mm, okay. Which I think, which, which is very driven by like cognition. So, you, so, you know, top down processors, um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with them. Um, I'm but not actually. Processor- so what's cool about this? Oh yeah, I can teach you something today. I've learned all these things from you. Like, <laughs> so top-down processors are people um, who who take experience um, and applies what it like. So it says, "Hey, this is what I already know, and this is what I think I should see," and I try and fill in the blanks that way. Um, okay. So I try and slap data on top of what I'm like the stimuli that I'm getting in and create a picture from it. Um, Got it. Bottom bottom up processors, on the other hand. Um, they process things in in like a more sensory way. So rather than like applying experience, instead they just take what's actually what's coming in, takes a look, tries to process what it actually saw, and then creates a picture. Um, creates a picture out of what information came, what information alone came in. Um, okay. It's only based on. It's not based on experience. It's not based on any additional data. It's only based on purely what you factually see there. So I think that reminds me of me, like whenever I'm debugging something hard, the usual way I do it is like, I go like, okay, what's one thing I know is true? Or like, what's one thing I can prove on this program? So I start like from very small and then build, build, build. So that, that's interesting. I don't think I'd heard of those two styles before. Yeah. There's like a whole, there's like data perception and like, like the processing of data. There's like entire, like an entire field of psychology is dedicated to it. Um, and I, and I actually thoroughly enjoy that. So for example, um, one of the, like one of the better known examples in psychology is like, um, there's like this picture and it's of a like very thick line 
a very thick straight like vertical line um and then essentially there's like a three next to um like a a kind of blocky blotchy three right next to this very thick line um Mm -hmm. and like a top-down processor would take a look at that um item by itself and say you know let's just say it's in the middle of uh, i don't know two letters um a top-down processor would say oh i know that i know that a is on this side and c is on this side this kind of looks like a b it must be a b okay but if you look at the exact same if you look at the exact same i um picture between like the number 12 and a number 13 or number 14 it also looks like a 13 that's top down processing so i know that like much like you said like i know a is here c is here this has to be a b based on my experience or 12 is here 14 is here this has to be 13 based on my experience um yeah, there's it, those blotch photos that you've seen. I'm, I'm sure you've seen those at some point where it's like, what does this picture remind you of? Right. Um, yep. Yeah, very much the same thing of like determining what kind of processor you are. Interesting. That's pretty cool. I like, that yeah, I my- like all the metacognition stuff. Um, it's really funny. I feel like programming is such a tough field that everybody I know in programming is like very conscious of you know, are we doing Pomodoro or what's our method for this? Like, I feel like we get a lot of time to work on metacognition because people value what we're doing so much that they're like, okay, like go with it, you know, do what you need to (laughs) have your brain working in optimal order. Um, It's kind of, I don't know, kind of random, but kind of a nice thing about this field. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because like, there's so many different combinations for how, like how the mind can work and like how the mind does work and the makeup of an individual and how like that's the one thing I love about developers I love about engineers so much is that we can all we can all get the result like we can all get the right answer but how we got that right answer is can be 14 different ways yeah right like it could and there are some people who are gonna take like a very similar way or a very close to similar way but then there are some people who are gonna go like, got like just so many different just so many different paths to getting the exact same solution Um, that's actually i love um, that so when i've done like i mentioned that i've done like algorithm study groups with my friend where we would friends where we would do like leet code style problems actually that's one of the funnest things about that like people get places so many different ways um i probably normally ruin it (laughs) because occasionally i'll just do what i feel like doing if i'm coding in my free time um i don't know and there's definitely also like off the cuff reactions to things like when we were talking about sql earlier i meant to say but i forgot i also love sql because i love it being upcase it feels like i'm screaming at the database to like give me things <laughs> um select <laughs> yeah like select column to me <laughs> um update <laughs> but yeah so like i don't know it's <laughs> it's interesting how we get where we get for me some of it is definitely me being like a wild card but yeah it's really fun like I love that about it and I love that there's not like wrong ways you can just do whatever yeah I think like I I think like that's my favorite thing about programming it's like the, I, there's always a way to accomplish it with the path that you're going down um yeah, I love that note about like yelling. I've never thought about it like that. It's like yelling at the database. <laughs> That's now right. I'm gonna like now I'm gonna think about that when I'm like <laughs> working with my database, like alter like yeah. just uh, 
I'm a hard ass. I upcase all my SQL, even if I'm on the command line, because I like to yell at the database. <laughs> I um, upcase it because I, in my mind, this is a personal bias and block I have. Um, I It doesn't work any other way. It doesn't work lowercase. I know it does. I know that's not true. I know I can totally write it lowercase, and it would 100% work. In my mind, though, it has to be uppercase. That's the only way it'll work. I have, yeah. I have had scripts not work, like SQL scripts not work, and be like, oh, man, it's because I wrote. <laughs> I see exactly what it is. I wrote that where lowercase instead of uppercase. It's not that I wrote the, que- the query wrong. No, 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 no. It's that I didn't uppercase that one word. Yeah, it's so weird. Like, I don't know. Something about it is very readable to me, which you would think your brain would have to, like, context switch a lot. But I don't know. I think something about it, it, like, blocks up what it blocks out what's a, like, SQL term versus what's a variable term or, like, a name or something else. Something about it is just very, like, clear to me when it's upcased and then yeah i do feel like i'm like like a god like handing down commandments in all uppercase like super serious um i don't know it's fun (laughs) i think my favorite thing is that i love to alias things with words from harry potter because i am like a huge harry potter fan nice no we're i know we're all mad at jk rowling right now we can still be mad at her but like like i'll just we just want to talk about her so like yeah i will like I will like for for um select I'll, I'll I'll like link it to words in Harry Potter that are like like it so like I'll alias select to like Axio because <laughs> I'm, nice. I'm calling you give me this data oh <laughs> like, man I, I remember the first time someone saw that I accidentally left it all in a stored proc and someone was reading it and they're like what what is wrong <laughs> with you? what the hell is wrong with you and I'm like don't <laughs> judge amazing. me this is who I am. It, it's a fun script, right? It did what it was supposed to do. Then shut up. If that happened to me, I'd be like, wow, I never knew SQL could do this. That's amazing. It probably, I probably wouldn't get it for a second. And then I'd be like, ah, okay. I see what they did there. <laughs> um, you want to know what? It, so my, um, the, the person who got the script was just like, what is this? And I'm like, <laughs> what is what? And I walked over to the computer and I'm like, ah, oh, God damn it. Cause I usually only do it for me. Like I don't do it for anyone who I'm going to send it to. Right. Um, it's for my entertainment, not anyone else's. And yeah, it was that's that script's in a production database somewhere, by the way. That stored <laughs> procedure is in someone's production database somewhere. I will not say where, but it is still there unless they've removed it or altered it. Oh no. <laughs> I uh I sometimes hate thinking about yeah, what I've left in code bases. Um can't think about it too much. I'm sure I, there's some I have weirdness. One, I have one infamous note that I left um purposefully hoping that someone will find it one day um and it is a lord of the rings reference um <laughs> and it was i was writing an example like as a comment um for some counting that we're doing and i don't know if for any lord of the rings fans here when uh, uh legolas and gimli are at the battle of helms deep and they're having their little contest of who's killed more. And I think Gimli's like says like six, seven, eight. And then Legolas is like 85, 86. Um, and there's a small little dialogue in someone's production <laughs> production <laughs> website about that. And I'm hoping someday they'll clean it up. But it was that was for me. That was not for anybody else. That's pretty good. I think most of mine that I'm worried about are just comments like JTK, this is terrible, fix this. <laughs> Probably didn't. Um, or this shouldn't work. Why does it work? Like blah, blah, blah. Um, My personal favorite is uh, the uh, one place I was working at a couple, couple, two jobs ago. Um, There's a legitimate comment that you can find them if you open up the dev tools 
um, that says, don't ever touch this. <laughs> nice. Oh, fair enough. That's all it says. There's no context around it. There's no explanation of why not to touch it. It says, don't ever touch this file. That's it. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I remember like the, the two devs and I were looking at that and I'm like, I want to touch it. And they both looked at me. They were like, no, if it says don't ever touch this, there's a good reason why it says don't ever touch this. <laughs> yeah. I think I've seen like, I don't know. I think I've seen a couple funny ones like abandon all hope ye who enter here when you get into a certain part of the code. Oh um, my God. <laughs> <laughs> which I appreciate the honesty. Um, yeah. I, I appreciate the honesty. My favorite ones are when the comments like go ask Will about this. And Will is some guy that like built the whole thing, but doesn't work there anymore. So you're like, ah, like Will, why, why does it have to be Will? Uh, we had a guy named Will who anytime, he, anytime he had, he left a comment like that. He, he, he put like, I'm leaving my phone number here in case I don't work here anymore. Oh, that's, that's really great. That's nice. We call, we had to call Will one time. We're like, Will, why wouldn't we edit this page? Does everything break? And he's like, oh, here's the reason why. And he just walked us through it. He's a super cool dude. So I came up with, um, in my first job, I worked at a place that had some pretty old technology. And so I was trying to find a term for when you have a person that's like the guy who builds something and then um, he leaves and no one else knows how it works. So it just gets super old and everyone's scared to change it. So the term I came up with was that an app like that is an orphan dinosaur. Um, and I even came up with a like mascot for it. It's like a dinosaur with one of those little sticks holding a a handkerchief with your belongings over there and back. Um, But that's the term I came up with. I had a guy like that in my first job who wrote the whole thing in Windows Presentation Foundation, which is very weird, and uh, CSS2. So I got to work with that, even though it was apparently deprecated when I was eight years old. (laughs) I was curious, a CSS2, like, just learned that that hasn't been a thing for a very long time. So yeah, that's, that's awesome. <laughs> it, I don't know, like to anyone out there who is stuck working on some weird technology, it's actually a lot harder than the new technology. So you'll develop some really good skills. Like it may not be where you want to hang your hat, but it's actually like way harder. Um, yeah. I don't know. I felt like that job was super hard. And then I left to work at a place with a more modern stack. And I was like, wow, everything's like, so easy and convenient and like makes sense like this is great um but yeah i don't know some of that stuff is pretty hard it'll make you a pretty pretty badass developer <laughs> it's interesting that i work with something that like hasn't been around in a very 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 long time um so recently this application um that i had to do some work with if you don't know this language it's okay i didn't know what existed pascal <laughs> i i i've heard of that yeah yeah, so I dealt with something built in Pascal. If you um, have an application written written in Pascal, um, update your application um, or find <laughs> a new job. That's my advice. There's nothing else I have for you. Um, so I had to learn a, a dinosaur of a language um, to understand what the application even did to help them like come up with a plan to rewrite it. And it was uh, the worst. That's all the that's all I got for it. It was the worst. So at the job that made me use CSS2, um, at the time I decided that I needed to get a new job, they decided that they wanted to make me learn this internal proprietary language that was made up. And so I asked, okay, like, what's it like? They said it was like Pascal. Um, 
but not quite. And that was all they could tell me. <laughs> I was like, uh, okay. I don't know if that's for me. <laughs> um, you, you, it's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like sandpapering, um, your body instead of using a washcloth. <laughs> okay. So. But also not exactly. <laughs> yeah. I remember being like, uh, they told me like, you have this new assignment. I was like, oh, great. Sounds good. Um, what language? They're like, well, it actually doesn't have a name. <laughs> I'm like, uh, that's not a good sign. <laughs> um, I I feel like I should use technology that has names. Um, so you know it has documentation that I can look at by googling the name. <laughs> um, yeah, I never got to use it. I accepted a new position <laughs> too fast. I never got to learn. That's good. The... Good for you. Good for you. <laughs> like, you made the, the language right without a name. <laughs> you followed my advice. I'm proud of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, oh, man, you don't know what? Time has just flown by. I want to wrap it up here just a little bit. Um, this has honestly been a great and really fun conversation. Um, I don't get to nerd out with people too often like this. Um, so this yeah, I had a awesome. blast. So thank you, everyone, so much for joining us. This has been great. We'll catch you guys in the next one.